and welcome to episode two of Fast and Curious, a journey of self-discovery and development to improve your performance in sport, in business, or I guess in life. Um, as you know, if you've tuned in before, over the next 12 months, we're going to be charting the ups and downs of my journey to the Paris 2024 Paralympic Games, unpicking some of the strategies and techniques that can help all of us perform better and be happier. Now, last time Ruth and I spoke to you all, we were speaking about the power of purpose. And today we're going to unpick the process of planning. That's an awful lot of P's, isn't it? Mm. Um, I think uh, I think I've definitely been more aware, Ruth, of purpose in the last three weeks or so since we spoke. And I think uh, we've been doing lots of planning because it's been the start of our of our winter training. And I've been really aware in meetings with my coaches and with the other staff um, about doing one of the strategies you talked about, which was being really, really clear on what I wanted out of that meeting and how I thought other people um, might be going about it as well. And I think it's absolutely had a really positive impact in, in what we've got out of it. And I think probably made us a bit more efficient um, in the work that we've done. Um, so absolutely really, really powerful. And I think we probably could have called this episode the, the power of a plan um, as well, because a plan seems absolutely crucial to everything that I do. I don't think I could get out of bed without a plan. What about what about you, Ruth? Are you a planner? Uh, I think I really am a planner in so many aspects of my life. Um, I love, do you know, I love a plan. I really love it when we get a new piece of work, like a new program I'm designing or something or a new a new coaching client, and there's a plan for it. You know, what are we going to do? I really love that. But I, th- I think in other areas, you know, I'm trying to be a little less um, caught up on a plan uh, and just live in the moment a little bit more. So I think there's a lovely balance. I, if anybody listening to this knows me very, very well, the people very close to me, like my best friend and my personal assistant I'm not sure they would agree that I'm a planner I think they'd think I'm a little bit scattergun but in my mind I am a great planner but surely that's why you know that's why you've got a PA because that's what that's what they do they're exactly that's their daily their daily vibe so maybe we all need yeah she loves the plan and and you know we both of us love her a table with a lot of things written on it and a, a month when things are due to happen, we get off on that. So, yeah. so yeah, I think I really do love a plan. And of course, speaking about it seriously, why planning matters. One of the reasons it matters, and we'll talk in this episode about a lot of them, but I think it's because it makes other people feel better around you. Um, yeah. And I saw a statistic the other day, which was a Gallup poll done in 2022, which said that only 22% of people in the workplace think that their leaders have a plan oh I mean, wow you know so this I always like have to do the very basic maths on this so that means that 78 percent do not think they have a plan imagine that nearly 80 percent of the workforce thinking I don't know I think I don't think our leaders know what they're doing and what they're planning for this is a catastrophe so that's amazing um, that's absolutely yeah. amazing isn't it because I would be I you know I think I'm a really good planner but probably mm-hmm. my planning you know, literally limits to my canoeing. And that's why I've got a wife that does all the other planning that involves mm-hmm. everything else in general life, like whatever we're yeah. doing that isn't canoeing, when the bins go out, you know, she even yeah. sends me di- diary invites if she's going to be away about which bin to put out when. So, oh, so she's she's planning in a completely different level. But I don't know how it's people function without without a plan. But I'm hoping that in this episode, we can 
help people that maybe already are planning um, to, to tweak it and to maybe try, try a few different things, but also those people that maybe that 78% that feel that they don't necessarily have a plan or their leaders don't necessarily have a plan yeah. um, to give them some strategies that would, that would maybe make things feel a bit, a bit more in control because that's what we want as humans, isn't it? To feel yeah. in control of what we're doing. And for me, a plan and a spreadsheet is, is a first step to doing that. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I do say this a lot in, in the work I do, that I always think that a great leader has, has a, oh, ramble. Seriously, oh, ramble, come on, man. Um, don't worry. I always think that um, leaders, crucially, need to keep their eye on two things, not beginning with P, but beginning with C, uh, clarity and compassion okay i mean compassion i can talk about you know till i'm blue in the face but clarity is everything i think and i don't think you get clarity without a plan and if you think about those 78 percent of people thinking it's you know it's easy for them to say oh these leaders don't know what they're doing they haven't got a plan there probably is a plan but the question is how well or not have you communicated that plan because if people don't feel clear they don't feel comfortable and safe to be able to do their best work. So anyway, we're getting all into it now, but that's, that's what, that's why we're talking about this one here. So, so um, now then you are, as we have said before, an amazing human being with 11 world titles, not 10 with ages. We were talking about 10 world titles. That's, that's old news. Now you're 11 times now, Never mind the two gold medals. Um, so I'm assuming there is a plan that goes into the achievement of this, Emma. Please, could you tell our listeners what that plan looks like and why it is so central to your success? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like this is going to burst burst everyone's bubble because <laughs> there um, there there absolutely isn't anything special about about me. Clearly, I'm I'm not too bad in a in a canoe, no, but not too when bad. I actually look at it, <laughs> but when I actually look at it, Ruth. It's I followed a plan from the first day that I started canoeing. I have followed a plan. And my mum, bless her, um, came up with the phrase plan the paddle and paddle the plan. And Mm. she said that every single time I'm racing. And it's so true. You know, you make a plan and then you execute the plan. And obviously along the way, we need to be really aware of how we're going to change it and mold it and adapt it. Um, But I hate to kind of burst any bubbles. It's it's actually nothing special um, about me. There's been a a really good plan written that has taken into consideration lots and lots of different things. Um, And I think in Paralympic sports, it's even more unique because you can have um, athletes trying to do the same thing. So for example, in our team, there's about uh, 17 of us that are trying to uh, paddle boats as fast as we can over 200 meters. But every single one of us has different different disabilities, different Mm. um, context in terms of our lives and where we are in terms of age or families or whatever so all of those plans despite the fact the end goal is the same how fast can you paddle over 200 meters the plan has to be subtly different within that so it's absolutely crucial for me and it gives us um, a direction to go it gives us something to adapt and to tweak Um, and in my world we actually call it uh, what it takes to win and what that is, is a, a very complicated um, spreadsheet that works out what time we believe will be quick enough to win a gold medal at the next 
Paralympic Games. Now that could be in yeah. four years' time or five years if it's a if it's a Tokyo cycle. Um, and then when you've got that time, I then look at that time and think, right, what does what does Emma Wiggs need to do to 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 paddle her boat to get as close as possible to that time? So yeah, it's absolutely fundamental to everything that we do and we work backwards from from yeah. that time. Yeah. So this whole um clear sight of what you're aiming for is crucial. And then it is just simply right, okay. So to get to that, we need to do XYZ. It's a activity-based goal setting. Um, it's not a dream, like, oh, wouldn't it be great if we can win another gold medal? It's this is it, and this is how we're going to achieve it. So, so what kind of things you said a lot of people contribute to this plan. What kind of things does it include in the actual plan? So the, so the actual the actual big plan will be um, every week of the next year um, planned yeah. out on a spreadsheet. So we call it a big macro cycle. And then within that, each of those weeks is then broken down into the into the training days and the, and the, and the sessions even. So if we go yeah. back to what we were talking about in episode one about purpose, my coach mm-hmm. and I spent about four hours a few weeks ago going through, you know, why are we doing this session? What does this session What's the mm. purpose of this session in achieving our what it takes yeah. to win time? And that then adds a layer of uh, confidence, I guess, in terms yeah. of I'm doing this session in the gruesome November weather that's coming up but rapidly, already the end yeah. of October, isn't it? Um, you know, I'm doing this session because I know that this is going to make this difference to what we're trying to achieve overall. Um, and that will be down for every session, whether it be a gym-based session or a water session, um, and I appreciate that not everybody listening is 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 a sports person and and doing something mm. sporty, but that element of detail can can be applied to all of us. You know, there, there is something that we're trying to achieve in the future. Where yeah. do I want to be in a month's time? Where do I want to be in two months' time that will get yeah. me closer to achieving that? Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, as you say, the um, even the sort of discipline of talking about does this session still give us what we said we need you know or do we need to change that in some way just going right back to the just because we've done it this way perhaps in the past does it mean we we need to keep doing that or is there a better way and I think that's again really yeah really really interesting so over time as Mm. a as a squad we have been world leading for 12 years in a row now that Mm. doesn't happen by accident that happens because the plans have been changed and tweaked and and we've we've gone in a different direction but fundamentally you know we know what we're doing is good um we then tweak it to become great and I think that's the real difference in in what we're trying to do we look for new ways so there's a real balance between uh, probably what I more I lean more towards obsessing about a plan, um, yeah. and there has to be a balance, doesn't there, between obsessing about the plan and sticking to it and trying to execute it, but also being willing to change it if it doesn't work. You know, last year I didn't have a great year. My coach and I had loads of challenges. Uh, we kept changing the plan because we mm. thought that was what the what what we needed, and it just um, it just didn't work. It just disrupted everything. And that mm. kind of desire to want to either rigidly stick to it or randomly change it, it, you end up coming a bit unstuck. So there's got to be some middle <coughs> ground of this is the plan. We've got to believe in it, but also we've got to be willing <coughs> to just tweak it and to just, you know, fine tune it if it's not working and be willing to do that. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, you're raising a very important point here, I think, for leaders and for people in 
in the workplace is when you look at why you want to possibly stick to something, you know, have you got a kind of a pure reason for that? Or is it that we've become attached to something that, you know, maybe it was, I don't know, if you're on a project in the workplace and you had an idea or, you know, you used to be in charge of something, you were very used to calling the shots on that. And then somebody comes along and suggests a change. Do we genuinely look at that as a possibility or do we think, no, 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 that's, you know, this is the right way to do it, you know, whatever the right way means because it was, because it was our idea or because it was something we've done in the past. So again, I think there's a, a sort of sound maturity in looking at things and thinking, does this still work? And are we yeah. doing this because, you know, I'm personally attached to the, to it because it was my idea or is there a different way we could do this? So, yeah. Yeah. And and that's a great example, Ruth, isn't it, of how there's that link between the business world and the leadership world and sport. Mm. But you know, does mm. pla- does planning form part of your your daily life? You know, Ruth, the the non business <laughs> business person. What does does planning kind of form part of that? Yeah, if you spoke to my husband, he would say I'm I'm too much of a planner. Um, you know, this is somebody who's retired and who says. You know, when I say, what's the plan for today? He says, this is the beauty of retirement. You don't have a plan. Well, I'm... <laughs> but we I like a plan. Like we like a plan. <laughs> I don't work like that. There's a lot to do um, always, I think, in life. Um, and so, yeah, I think I am a planner. I And I certainly think he would say I, t- I plan too much. One of his favourite phrases about me is, you try and pack too much into a day. To me, a day is, you know, 24 hours long. There's a lot of potential in a day to do things. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think, you know, when I think about, for example, if you um, are in something with other people, you know, if you're like, I have a friend, my dear friend, Amanda, who I run with, you know, quite literally my running mate. And um, and I, I know that we plan our runs. Uh, we plan you know, our, the timing of it, we plan the um, the the distance, all of that kind of thing. You know, we, we enjoy doing that. And I think both of us enjoy having something to stick to. But the other thing that it really creates, of course, is having somebody with you is accountability. Yeah. And there are loads of examples of um, ways in which we work in a collective group. You know, like if, for example, you know, if you were doing something on losing weight or whatever, there's a there's there's a lot of schemes out there and systems where if you're um, in it with other people and you're saying you're going to do something like, you know, I'm going to um, at least walk 10,000 steps today or I'm going to, you know, keep my calories beneath 1,200 or whatever, reporting that in to a group of trusted people who you feel completely safe with is a wonderful way of sticking to a plan because it just gets into our heads and I know this from my own experience at the moment with a great group of people um is it's very very powerful to know that you have to check in just like it's very powerful having Amanda as my running mate if I don't feel like running you know if I wake up in the morning and think oh god I just can't I can't be bothered I I don't want to let her down. Yeah, you know? yeah. So so yeah, I think I think I do have plans sitting about in my daily life. And they but the, but the whole I guess I think I've gone slightly off point here on to but this question of accountability within a planning system 
I think is huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think people really love to know what they're responsible for and and then to give them the space to be able to go and do that. Yeah, brilliant. So so basically, you know, create a plan, whatever that looks like for you. It could be on a post-it, it could be on a spreadsheet, whatever, but then also consider how you're going to share that to to raise that accountability um, yeah. to, give, to give the plan more chance of success, you know. At the yeah, end of the just, you know, if it's shared. I mean, like I, I've done um, in my life, not recently, but, you know, in the past I have done three marathons. And one of the things I wanted to do was to say very publicly to a lot of people I knew, oh, by the way, you know, I'm doing this marathon. Partly, I mean, I wanted to raise money for diabetes, but that's another story. But I, but I wanted to be held accountable yeah you can't go and say i'm doing it and then you know six weeks later say oh do you know what i just can't be bothered yeah. um it's just so awfully embarrassing to do that so the power of having a group and having a shared declared plan yeah i think is very very powerful yeah, um and, and accountability is is massive in that the other thing is that you know if it was just me going for a run not with Amanda and I woke up and said oh to myself oh I just can't be bothered you know it's too cold or I'm too tired (laughs) it is a lot easier letting myself not execute that plan than it is letting her down so So get someone else on board get them on board get them on board for goodness sake yeah um anyway now then so that's what I do and and you've got a, a job where planning and executing that plan is absolutely crucial every single day. And what do you do about when you just don't feel it? You know, what, how do you? I think, yeah, commit? I think, I think the plan helps with that motivation um, because, because once the plan is made, I want to complete the plan because the plan is very, very much detailed um, in terms of pathway to the outcome that we are hoping to achieve. So mm. therefore, once it's written down and it's agreed um, and we've got it da- got it there in front of us, if I'm going to stray away from it and not do it, there's got to be a real reason for that. And that's yeah. okay some of the time, but then I also must be aware that um, there's going to be a consequence to that. So if I'm not going to follow the plan and do what I've said, there's going to be a consequence mm. to that. And that might be that I don't, necessarily execute what I want to to do but you know I think anything can disrupt our plans can't it Ruth is planning always necessary in leadership I feel like I'm a I'm a you know devoted planner but is it always necessary in in leadership well um I would say yes actually um and I, I mentioned earlier about the Gallup poll I think I think of course planning is necessary I think what's less um thought about is how do we how do we continue as you were saying about the you know those sessions looking with your coach for four hours about the sessions is it the right session I think what goes missing sometimes is not particularly the plan but it's the communication of the plan and the checking that the plan is actually right um and, you know, one of the great things in leadership that I think everybody knows this, really, that humility is a massive leadership quality. And you need a degree of humility, I think, to be able to say, actually, this plan is 
is not working for us or, you know, a bit like you said with your coach last year, you were questioning the plan, you know, were you sticking to it? Were you coming away from it? But in, in the workplace, there's got to be the space for people to be able to question a plan. Um, and of course, we talk all the time about psychological safety. And, you know, that means that people are able to say what they want to say when they need to say it. And, you know, I, I, I know that great leaders create a climate where you can do that, which allows us to say uh, this plan is, is, is the right one or not, you know, and if it's not, what yeah. are we going to do about that? doesn't mean you have to chuck the whole thing out, but, you know, there is this phenomenon, isn't there, of, of a sunk cost decision-making that goes on where so much money and time has been invested that people think, well, we have to go through with it now because, yeah. you know, we said we would. And I mean, we've had this debate in the last few weeks a lot about the HS2, you know, where I think it's something like £71 billion was spent on that. Um, and what's the right thing to do? And I, I, I do, I do think that when plans in leadership, a, a leader making a plan has to be open to the fact that this plan may not look anything like how it starts off looking. And that doesn't yeah. matter as long as we achieve our, our final result. Um, but, you know, the context changes, doesn't it? The world changes. I mean, let's look at what happened. You know, none of us knew what was going to happen in 2020. And of course, in your world, Emma, that was a, a major disruptor of your plan because at that part on that you know you were on stage the final stages of a four-year plan for Tokyo yeah and of course it all got thrown up in the air so tell us about that how you yeah so I think I think we were about two weeks away from our official selection um when Boris locked us all down on that Monday evening so I think it was something like 160 days until the games so we had been everything had been acutely planned like I've spoken about already down mm. to every session of every day in the lead up to this to this start line that was going to be on the 2nd of September you know yeah. everything was planning towards that so to yeah. suddenly find yourself um so close and yet completely then ripped out of your of your environment so quite rightly you know there are more important things than sport and we yeah. had to to do what we were told and we were sent home we were like everybody else. We were we were based at home, allowed out for one walk a day, wasn't it? It just seems yeah. like a different world. Half an hour um, or, so, or an hour. Yeah. An hour. And and to and I live in a bungalow in the middle of the Derbyshire countryside. So there's not a huge <laughs> amount of canoeing in the garden that can go on. Um, but we, you know, we we had to find a way. And that was, you know, for someone like me that that has followed a plan and, and really loves that security in having mm. a plan. It, it just threw me into this kind of panic mode. And, and this is where my coach really just stepped up and excelled. And he just said, right, well, we've got, we've got a new plan now. And this is what we've got. This is what we need to deal with. And we'll do this. And then we had to change it again and again and again, because just because of, and I won't bore people with all the sporty side of it, but because you can't just suddenly change your mode of exercise to something that might be more damaging or that might give you an injury. So it was a yeah. real of physios and strength coaches and technical coaches yeah. you know having to get their heads together and say right well we've now got all our athletes in their houses spread around the the area what are we going to do because we've got to perform in 160 odd days then the yeah. game got postponed didn't they by a year yeah so that was actually quite reassuring for me because I thought right okay I've got another year I mm. will 
make the best of of what we've got. And there was a real difference, I think, between some athletes that felt, you know, really bereft at the year, the extra year. So some people were going to retire. Some people had their plans already done. Suddenly there's another year to wait till the games. Um, some people might have had an injury. So that, that actually the extra year gave them a different a different perspective because they had another yeah. chance to, to get selected. But yeah. for us, we just had to adapt every single day in the initial stages and then weekly. Um, and I can remember one of the psychologists I worked with saying to me, do you know what? Um, the people that win the medals next year will be the people that have dealt best with adapting their plan, uh, mm. check, checking and challenging what they're doing and finding a way to, mm. to keep calm and to keep the work going. It won't yeah. be the fastest people, the strongest people, whatever. It'll be the people that adapted best in this challenging environment. And, you know, they're so right. You know, we, yeah. we literally just change, changed and molded and adapted everything. And my garage has still got bits of gym equipment. It's still got the tally chart that I did on the, on the wall to, to just tick off the sessions. You know, they, yeah. weren't, they weren't what I'd planned. They weren't what we had hoped we would be doing, but they were something. And, and yeah. that meant that we, you know, we were in a position whatever it was, 500 and something days later, we were in a position to line up on that start line in yeah. Tokyo. There was no crowd. There was nobody there. And we lined up. And I felt this calmness, Ruth, that that just was, I've done everything I possibly could and we've made mm. it. We have made mm. it to the start line. Mm. And I've never felt such calmness on a start line. And for a Paralympic mm. final, it's quite unusual. And I just, just executed my races and we we got the gold and the silver. So yeah, I think it's a, it's yeah. a really great example of checking and challenging, but being adaptable and, and, and moldable to, to what you, yeah. what you, what you've got in front of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's just, you know, because we can't, I think we said this actually in the purpose episode a few weeks ago, you know, we can't control, we can't control anything actually, you know, we can only ever control our response to something. Yeah. Nobody knew that was going to happen, um, but it did. And you saw that in so many aspects of life, didn't you? People rethinking the way they had to live their lives. It was a, yeah. you know, I know it was painful in many ways and, and tragic in so many ways, but it was also a very interesting look at how humans can adapt and, you know, be resourceful in times of difficulty. Yeah, I think um, it gave us a real opportunity, didn't it, to, yeah. to, to, to do things slightly differently. And one of the... One of the things I can remember doing, it was a little task called um, stop, start, continue. And you mm -hmm. know how normally when, you know, when you're carrying on with life, whether it be, you know, sport or business or everyday life, you know, you, you're almost on this hamster wheel where there's one day into another day into another day. And, yeah. and it takes something to stop you in your tracks to think, right, OK, actually, there could be some a different way of doing it. So this, again, yeah. comes down to the planning. And this little task takes, I don't know, three or four minutes and it's called stop, start, continue. And you have to ask yourself, okay, so if this is my goal, what do I need to stop doing right now that is going to yeah. give me a better chance of achieving that goal and that outcome? What could I start doing right now that would give me a better chance? And what am I going to continue doing? Yeah. And yeah. it's a really insightful thing to have a look at that, that gives you an idea whether your plan is right, whether you're on the right yeah. track. Um, but it also adds that accountability of, right, do you know what, actually – for me, it was stop comparing myself to other people. Comparison, mm. I think, is the, is the phrase is comparison is the thief of joy. And yes. That, and that was, yeah. yeah. 
that was an absolute game changer for me, particularly yeah. you know, when you've all got different disabilities, it's, it's not helpful at all. But that was, I'm going to stop comparing myself to other people. And that straight away went into yeah. my plan, added a layer of accountability and made me think every time I went to do it, oh, hang on, you said you weren't going to do that. So that was a really useful little task that became a bit of a habit that, that we kind of did. Mm. Mm. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so the, you know, what we're hearing here, Emma, from the, the importance of planning in your particular situation and, and not just in the next 12 months getting ready for Paris, but as, as you've seen it morph and develop and adapt in the past in, in, um, you know, the challenge of the pandemic are, I think, if we look at the three basic things we want to take away um, and think about them also in terms of, of how we work um, in business, number one, creation of accountability. Um, and you know, we've talked about how the power of having other people involved in a plan you know, sharing that collective purpose and that desire to do it in a certain way adds that layer of responsibility. We don't want to, you know, humans, uh, social animals, we don't really want to let people down, especially not when we've committed to something. But I also think on this, and you reminded me uh, of a very important point when you said that, you know, you you had you've got 17 people in the group and the plan has to be subtly different for each one because there's different disabilities and there's different, you know, ages and backgrounds and, and lives going on. It's no different in the team, in the workplace, yeah. you know, and I think often leaders think, well, I've made a plan. I'm sure it works, you know, and everybody's just got to come along with that plan. But actually, you know, people work of course in so many different ways and what appeals to them can be a very rigorous plan, you know, with a lot of checkpoints, a lot of um, ways of, of making sure they're on the right track. And other people are more autonomous and love the uh, the opportunity to make their own decisions around things. So I think from a leadership point of view, accountability needs to come with uh, a thoughtful, considered process about who is in my team and how do I make sure that I'm appealing to what matters to them. And as ever, you know, we talk about this a lot in coaching. Key thing is it's not about you. Um, it's about the people that, that are following you. But also the accountability, you know, think about what makes me feel I am going to be responsible enough to deliver. You know, do I still do the running even when nobody's watching? You know, even when I've not got under there, would I still go for that run or can I sneak a lie in? Um, <laughs> you know, how does that translate into business and, and how are we remaining responsible? So that's the first one. The second one is um, if you are checking and, you know, you called it check and challenge, I think, which is a lovely phrase. Um, having the openness to do that, but this tells us if it's working or not. Yeah, there's a you know, there's a beautiful quote from Al Gore, um, you know, who, as we know, is really influential in the world of climate change. Uh, and he says, you know, a lot of people go straight from denial to despair without pausing in the middle and doing something about it. I love that. Uh, and I think if a plan has got these you know, almost these safety nets within it to say, let's just check, is this really, are we denying what is actually yeah. going on here? And will we move, you know, will we leave it so long we're moving to despair? 
very, very important. So that's, you know, that whole thing about, um, you know, do I need to adapt and, 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 and am I creating enough psychological safety for people to tell me that we need to adapt? Very, very important. And the third one is just the repetitive actions. I mean, you put it so beautifully when you said, I just knew I was so calm on the start line because, you know, of everything I couldn't have done any more. Yeah. But the plan and the activity-based plan where you repeat your practice of actions, you are ready to deliver. You know, there yeah. is a calmness. There's a, a kind of, um, I don't know, um, a dependability in us as an executor of a plan because we've done the work. And yeah, it's that, absolutely. You know, we will have a session on uh, an episode on discipline generally, but I do think that really matters that, you know, I, I can now look at it. I'm ready to deliver on this thing. You know, and I get this a bit sometimes when I'm delivering a big program or going to do a big talk or something like that. No, don't worry. You've done the work. You know, you've not just rocked up and winged it. You've done the work. And that is not always. And that is, that is very, very important. And I think that's what a plan is. And I think, you know, more than anything, if you think about the people working with you, people love a plan because, you know, they feel secure and they feel like you know what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are three really good top tips to, to take away from today's episode. So we're talking about accountability, about checking and challenging the plan um, and about making sure that we're forming some habits and, and some repeatable behaviours within within that plan. Absolutely brilliant. So hopefully that's given people listening uh, a bit of an insight into you know, both of our worlds, clearly we're both planners, Ruth, um, mm -hmm. which is lucky because yeah. otherwise we probably wouldn't be able to pull together a podcast. But um, <laughs> I think, you know, there, there is a place for planning and there is also a place, which I think is one of my work-ons, to to be a bit less planned on the days mm. when I can, because I think that's that's really important too. But certainly um, we should give credit to to my mum for plan, plan the paddle and paddle the plan. Um, get all the credit for that. That yeah. seems to work all right. So yeah. thank you. Hope you've enjoyed listening to the episode. Do please get in touch with us via socials if you have got any questions or anything that you would like to share that you've tried from, from listening to our ramblings over the last couple of episodes. The next episode we have got is on managing mindsets. So we're going to be talking about um, our behaviours. We're going to be talking about um, how helpful or unhelpful our self-talk can be. Um, and how we can possibly put in some strategies that might help us uh, tweak our mindsets on a daily basis on a daily basis to give us uh, a slightly more um, healthier and happier day. So as always, thank you for listening. And Ruth, I hope you have a plan for the next few weeks before mm -hmm. we, we meet again. Um, but it's been a, pleasure, a pleasure to chat and uh, can't wait to speak again. Yeah, and same to you. And keep going. You're, you're going, you're doing everything right. I want you on the finish, on the, not the finish, on the start line in Paris thinking, I've done everything I needed to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, very, I'm very sure excited to talk execute, again. Execute the plan over the next few windy, windy cold weeks, but oh, we shall yeah. hopefully um, be in, a, in, a, in an even better place in a few weeks' time. So look forward to catching up. All right. Brilliant. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>